This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Hey everyone, thank you so much for checking out our very first bonus episode on the Uncommon Christian Podcast. Today, I thought we'd have a little fun before we begin our next series that I'm really excited for called Five Questions. It's based off the book by Andy Stanley called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, Five Questions to Help You Determine Your Next Move. It is going to be an awesome series that starts next week, so make sure you don't miss out. But for today, we're going to get into the world of basketball. Now, if you're a basketball fan, you know it's that time of the year where everyone, or well, mostly everyone, is filling out their NCAA tournament brackets. So I thought it would be really cool to interview someone who knows what they're talking about when it comes to the world of college basketball. I also want to partner with a good friend of mine and someone I work close with at my church since we are both huge college basketball fans. So today, I partner up with Rusty George, who is the lead pastor of Real Life Church and host of the Leading Simple podcast. Rusty is a great pastor, leader, friend, who's also been on the podcast before, and he's an author. His most recent book, After Amen, What to Do While Waiting on God, is such a great read, and you can pick up a copy at his website, PastorRustyGeorge.com. We also got together to interview former Division I coach, author, and current ESPN college basketball analyst Jimmy Dykes. Jimmy actually recently wrote a book, a great book called The Film Doesn't Lie, Evaluating Your Life One Play at a Time, and you can pick that book up on Amazon. Well, I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. It's going to be really fun. So without further ado, Rusty, take us away. Jimmy Dykes, thank you so much for joining us. You're the hardest working man in show business right now. Former coach, former player, basketball analyst for ESPN, called over 50 games this year, and now talking hoops with us about the NCAA tournament. Jimmy, there's a lot of people that listen to this show that they love basketball, and they've already filled out multiple brackets. And then you have some that they're just kind of forced to fill out a bracket because, you know, it's their the thing their family does or a group at work does. Um, and we need some help. We need you to, to take this, this thing called uh, March Madness and, and make it a little bit clearer for us. So Michael and I are going to just fire some questions at you. Before we get into the five, I have a question I've always wanted to know. I've Googled it. I can't get an answer from anyone. But there is an expression that is used when you fill out a bracket that if you always take the high seed or the top seed, you're going chalk. What does that mean? Where does that come from? I understand in this connotation, but where do we get that phrase? Do you know? I, I have no idea. That, that, <laughs> that, that's the best question I've ever had asking me about March Madness. I, I don't because to me, chalk, like that's not permanent. Like you can quickly erase that. I, I, I don't know. Yep. I don't understand that one. So now I got something to do today. After I, after I get done with you in the next podcast, I'm going to start searching into what does that really mean? Well, if you find out, <laughs> let me know. I, I, I will. I'll text heard, you. I've heard the expression. I've used the expression and I don't even know what it means. So I don't know if it has something to do with rock chalk Jayhawk or, or whatever, but <laughs> anyway. Okay. So here, here we go, Jimmy. Um, I want to know who should win the tournament. And let me preface that with college basketball is one of those rare sports where typically the most talented team or the best team doesn't win because it's a one and done. You lose one game and you're out. In the NBA, you get seven games uh, to try to win it. But in this, this context, sometimes the best team doesn't win. 
Michael Hinton, a big UK fan, knows that from a few years ago from their perfect season. Uh, I'm from Wichita, so Wichita State Shockers had a perfect season, fall apart due to Kentucky. So, Jimmy, who should win this tournament? I, I think Gonzaga, and that's not a, a statement people are like, oh, wow, I haven't thought of them because they've been number one all year. They entered the NCAA tournament as one of five teams to be unbeaten entering the tournament, and that's since 1976. Gonzaga has won 30 straight games, um, and all of those have been by a, a double figures, with exception of one. They just have, I think, better players right now than everybody else collectively in college basketball. They arguably, arguably have three All-Americans that will show up on about every All-American uh, selection that's out there, whether it's first or second team. Jalen Suggs, the point guard, is uh, I think one of the most unique and probably the, the most NBA point guard I've seen ever come through Gonzaga. And they've had some great guards come through out there, but he'll be a top three or four pick. Uh, he could actually end up being the number one overall pick, I think. Uh, Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State, Evan Mobley at Southern Cal's in that same conversation. But I, I, I just think that kid's a once every 10 years type NBA point guard. So I think they have the best wing in college basketball. Corey Kispert, a big 6'6 kid that probably the best big wing shooter that we have that could show up in an NBA game right now and, and have an impact. And then Drew Timmy is one of the top four or five post players. And then that's not even mentioning their quote role players, a kid like Joel Ayayi, who has had a triple double this year, just does everything for that team. Andrew Nemhard, who was Florida's best player the last couple of years. Now he's at Gonzaga. Uh, they're just the real deal on both ends of the floor and offensively, defensively, all of their defensive and offensive efficiency numbers look like what a national champion should look like as we begin the tournament. Uh, they're inside the top 20 in both of those. So I, I, I think it's Gonzaga. And that's, you know, do they, do they feel the pressure of an unbeaten season? I don't know if that will ever come into play in a close game. But so far this year, they have handled being knocked down. They've come back from double-digit deficits before. Uh, so I, the, the team that should win it is the team with the best players, and that's Gonzaga. You know, Michael, before you ask your question, I just want to say one thing about that. I have never been a fan of trying to go undefeated. I just feel like that's such a long winning streak. In fact, you know, my teams that I cheer for, I want them to lose in the conference championship game before the NCAA tournament because it, I kind of feel like you got you to get that loss out of your system before you go. Boy, Gonzaga, you know, winning 30 games. Now, now they got to go win six in a row. I think at some point, it, I mean, even though they are the best team, I just – I just worry if they can pull that off. See, there's another one like chalk. Get the loss out of your system. What? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I have a loss in my system. No one told yeah. me I have a loss in my system. Where did that yeah, come from? Yeah, but I can prove that one though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I speaking from experience, you know, in 2015, uh, 2014, 2015, you know, on the way back from Disney World, I, I probably never cried so hard when you know. A couple of shot clock violations didn't get called, you know, on Wisconsin against Kentucky. Uh, uh, at the time, I wouldn't have agreed with you, Rusty. I would have said, no, we don't have a loss in the system. This is a we're, we're trying to be the first team to go undefeated to win the title since I think uh, since Bob Knight did it with Indiana. And so uh, but after that game, uh, I might agree with you now. I wish you would have lost before. I would have rather taken a title than 
than uh, than to be 38 and one. That's our legacy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, you know, Kentucky, uh, Duke, you know, you're, you're talking about Jalen Sudge, uh, their coach. Uh, they're missing. Kentucky and Duke are missing from the tournament. Uh, do you think this is a referendum on the one and done era of college basketball? Well, I think it, I think, Michael, it contributes a little bit. Um, but Kentucky and Duke have been so good and won so many games in this NCAA tournament prior to this year. It's hard to say that that system is broken and it doesn't work because it has in the past. But I think the overall dynamic of college basketball is what's changing. The the transfer rule, uh, just the the grad transfers, the value of being old is is has really popped up in the last four or five years. Uh, I believe the last five national champions have all started a, a heavy dominant upperclassman five, uh, talking about juniors and seniors. Uh, old old wins conference championships in the regular season, conference tournament titles, and it wins in the NCAA. And you have to figure out a way to get old, not ignore those kids that are potentially good enough to just play college basketball for one year, but you have to have some good older players around them. Uh, when Kentucky won the national championship, they had that formula. They had some older guys returning with some superstars in that freshman class. So, uh, I, you know, Kentucky and Duke had their own separate issues this year. I, I, yeah. I laid out a pretty good reason why Kentucky struggled this year in one of their uh, last couple of games that they played. But to, to mention a kid like Jalen Suggs, who's a freshman, K- Kentucky and Duke didn't get that kid this year. That's right. Uh, there, there's Yeah, there's four or five freshmen every year that can come in and legitimately carry your program to a conference championship in the Power Five leagues or in the NCAA tournament. And Kentucky didn't get one of those kids this year. That's not a knock against who they got. They just didn't get a guaranteed lottery pick, top 10 pick in this year's freshman class, like a Jalen Sugg. And, and Duke didn't either. Right. So when you're, when you're counting on your freshman class as much as Duke and Kentucky has counted on in the past, that's a lot of pressure to get it right every year. And Kentucky's recruiting class was good. It was not great. Uh, so I think that's a big reason why you see Kentucky and Duke on the, on the wrong side of this conversation right now. And yeah. it's odd to see that bracket come out and no Kentucky, no Duke, no Indiana. But yeah. that's where we are. There is no, there, there's no birthright to getting in the tournament. It, that's it's right. Not. As a fan base, you have to accept it. Like, we can't take this for granted. Uh, but sometimes a year like this, and I've spoken with Coach Calipari about it, uh, can really ignite who you are going forward. And I think that'll happen for, for Kentucky for sure. Yes, sir. Well, as a North Carolina fan, I can tell you that I'm not crying any tears <laughs> over Duke and Kentucky not being in the tournament. No matter how bad we are this year, uh, at least Duke isn't in it. Uh, okay, I got a question for you, and that is give me uh, two of the one seeds that are most likely to not make the final four. So you got your top four teams, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois. Who am I missing? Michigan. Michigan. Uh, which of those, just give me two of them that you think, boy, they've got the hardest road to get to the final four. Well, I'd start with Michigan. Uh, I thought they were one of the top two or three teams during the month of February for sure. But they've lost a kid, Isaiah Livers, who's arguably their best overall all-around player. We're not sure if he's going to be back for the tournament, coming off of a stress fracture in his foot. If he comes back, when does he come back? 
What does he look like as a player? So that, that gives me pause right there because you want to be playing your best brand of basketball. You want to be hot. You want to be healthy. And you want to be a, a hungry, driven team. I know they checked two of those, two of those marks. So they've been playing really well. And I know they're really driven and competitive. But they're not healthy. And you look at Michigan's bracket, they've got to go through an LSU team who I've seen several times out of the SEC that is every bit as talented as anyone out there on the offensive side of the ball. Florida State, I believe, is in their bracket. Alabama, the same way. Just even if they were healthy, Michigan has a hard road, hard road to, to maneuver through. But that injury is a real concern for me for Michigan. And then the other team, I guess, would have to be Baylor just because they haven't really looked like what I thought they did prior to their COVID pause. Uh, they've had some good wins, but they've also struggled. They just got beaten a big 12 tournament by a good, not great. I think they're a very good Oklahoma State team. Uh, and, and interesting, Baylor is outside of the top 40 right now in terms of their defensive efficiency numbers. They're 43, 44, somewhere in there. And 17 of the last 18 national champions before the tournament began ranked inside the top 40 in both those categories. So they're a little bit off defensively, which gives me some pause on them. And then I look at the teams in, on their side with Purdue, Arkansas, Florida, Ohio State. Uh, I, I just, I, 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 all those four number one seeds are deserving and, and terrific basketball teams. But to answer your question, Michigan and Baylor will be the team that I think will probably have the, the best chance of getting upset before they get there. Yeah, absolutely. I, Jimmy, I picked Florida State to, to make it out of that bracket. I have LSU actually upsetting Michigan. I mean, you're right. I, obviously, I'm an SEC basketball fan, and I've seen when LSU is on, when they're yeah. focused and they're scoring points, oh, those boys are big and athletic, yeah. and they just come at you in waves. And yeah. I just don't know if they're on, who on Michigan can stop them. I, I'm with you, Michael. I, that we, we, I've seen LSU a lot, and you know they were good in that SEC tournament. They, they were a, 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 a put back away around the rim from beating oh, Alabama. Yeah, and Alabama is the real deal. So that's a that's a very dangerous LSU team. Now they could also lose in their first game because they'd lose their absolutely. Focus. But, <laughs> absolutely. but if they're, they're dialed in, you're you're spot on about LSU. Absolutely. Well, okay. Speaking of the SEC, this, this is a question from my, my, one of my good friends, Landon Crouch, who's from Harrison, Arkansas. And he wanted me to tell you hi. Uh, the upset a lot of people are talking about right now it, that started with Seth Davis and created this whole Twitter thing with hog nation is 14 seed Colgate over three seed Arkansas uh, fans are, you know, obviously Arkansas fans are pretty upset. Do you agree with this pick of, of this 13, 14 seed over three seed Arkansas. Arkansas fans were upset. I've never experienced that in my life. I live in <laughs> <Arkansas>. <laughs> I feel from them all the time. If Arkansas loses, it's my fault. I announced the it's game your it's fault. My fault. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not in on that upset. I Colgate's a good team. They've, they've only played five different. They've only played five teams all year long. I'm pretty sure. Right. Because of the COVID and what they went through. Uh, they shoot the ball well, but this is an Arkansas team that uh, Colgate has one really, really good guard. I should know his name off the top of my head. I don't, but he's a very good guard. Uh, but Arkansas has faced really good guards all year in the SEC. And Arkansas has multiple guys, Devo Davis, Jalen Tate, that they can rotate on one good guard. I think make life really tough on someone for one game. 
Uh, Arkansas is really balanced. They got uh, a great freshman in Moses Moody who, who plays an, an unselfish game. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't hunt his shot. He kind of sets the tone for our Arkansas plays. I, I think Arkansas is sneaky good. Like I could see them in that elite eight game. So uh, Arkansas fans just calm down a little bit. You're not, <laughs> not, not I can't guarantee the next game if Texas tech wins, cause that's going to be, a, that's, the tech turns into a rock fight, but but I think yes. Arkansas is okay in this first game. And Arkansas gets Jalen Williams back from an injury, or not Absolutely. an injury, out for a health health concerns, uh, and that, and that's a big piece. He's not a great scorer, but he's a big body kid that was that's uh, really kind of solidifies their inside game. So, Absolutely, Pitt, yeah, you're going to be fine uh, for at least one more game. I do know that. <laughs> you know, Arkansas hasn't had much to cheer about in a long time because football's been down. So. Right, it's been a long time since Nolan Richardson, so they 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 want something to be upset about. So this is this is good. Okay, last <laughs> question from me, and that is, give me a couple of first round upsets that are almost sure things. I mean, this is the first round. We get really excited about things like Colgate over Arkansas. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Ohio University. Uh, there's always a twelve over a five at some point. So do you see? Any upsets, and if so, give us a couple of as close to sure things as you can have in an NCAA tournament. Well, you mentioned Ohio; uh, they're they're really good. I watched them in their championship game, and that league they come out of is always proven, tested. Uh, there's there's good players, good coaches, future pros, and they're playing a Virginia team that's coming off of a COVID pause, hasn't been able to practice, and that's well, that's a dangerous spot now for. Virginia to be in. I, I I think if you're looking at one, that would be it. The other one I think is Michigan State, um, because Michigan State's in that first four playing game, however you want to say it, against UCLA, um, and then the, the the winner of that game, which I think will be Michigan State, they'll be a higher seed uh, taking on BYU. I just don't think BYU's uh, physically tough enough, have been tested enough to hold up in a game against Michigan State. You got to remember that Michigan State has had wins over Michigan, Illinois, I believe Ohio State. Uh, and those are teams that are legitimate national champion contenders. BYU does not have that type of win on their resume. I know Michigan State's been inconsistent, but Izzo is so good this time of the year. They're not going to be outfought, out, out, you're not going to outcompete Michigan State. Uh, Aaron Henry is a terrific all-around, like he's an all-Big Ten player. First team, all Big Ten players. So um, I think the bigger concern with Michigan State beating UCLA because UCLA's got a terrific point guard in Tiger Campbell. But if Michigan State wins that game and they end up playing uh, BYU, I would also go with that one as well. Just just because the seed says it's an upset. If you say who's going to win between Michigan State and BYU, in your mind you might kind of have it flipped. But that's not the case. Michigan State struggled this year, so they're going to have the higher seed and uh, that that that'd be the other game that the other game I would keep an eye on. But there's going to be there's going to be three or four. There are, there are every year, and it, whether it's the the five twelve or six eleven, whatever it is, it's it's going to happen. Especially this year because the seedings might be off a little bit by a line or two, because we didn't have the non conference like we've always had to really get a good right. feel for how good a team is or how good a league is. We're really going off of just what our eyes told us during league play. So I think that also uh, will, will spring forth another upset or two. 
Yeah. Rosie, here's a little unknown fact for you and coach. Uh, Aaron Henry at Michigan State, I coached him at Ben Davis High School as a freshman. He really? Was a scrawny, yes, I was a, I was assistant coach for Ben Davis High School freshman group with, uh, and I coached him. And, uh, the, you know, at the time, I remember me and, and, and our head coach there, I just kept saying, I think this kid's going to play in college. And then uh, I ended up uh, moving to a different church at the time. And then uh, he, he ended up in college and at Michigan State. And I, I, every time he plays, I just cheer him on. I, I, I love watching him play. I'm not a huge Michigan State fan, but I'll cheer for him as well. Uh, so that's so that's a little wow, unknown fact there. That is awesome. He owes it all to you, Michael. No, 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 he doesn't. <laughs> all right, folks, I think we've got four minutes left with you. I'm going to just throw out some random questions. You can't think about them. One word answer. Michael, chime in if you got something. Um, I'm going to start with this. Michigan State, UCLA, two coaches that are historically known for defense and grinded out slow, slow offenses, over under 50 points. Which one are you taking? Over under 50 points? Like you're saying the game won't, won't, won't get into the 50s? Yeah, just a total points between the teams. Oh, uh, I think that game is uh, total points between the teams. Probably – 125, 126, somewhere in there. Wow, I think it's that's a lot. Yeah, I think it's okay. a 60. Yeah, I think it's a 65, 61 game, something like that. They're, 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 those, they play a little faster than we realize. And, and when you're going against someone that you haven't played against all year that can take away your out-of-bounds plays, take away your set plays, I think you see the point production go up a little bit in those first-round games. So, uh, mm. I, I think they, I think they go over the 120 mark total combined. Well, I hope so. My feeling is it'll be like watching paint dry, but you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like sure for UCLA. So, okay. So next, blue blood to win a title. The next, blue blood to win a title. So our blue bloods are going to say, I guess, our Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, UCLA, Michigan Indiana. State, yeah. Indiana. I'm going to go with Gonzaga. There's blue blood as there is. And then the numbers back it up, how they've won black backs it up. We never throw them in that conversation, but they are tradition rich over the last 20 years. They have not missed an NCAA tournament under Mark Few. They have a, they have a run going that none of those other teams I just mentioned can match. I think Gonzaga wins it this year. If you're looking for one that's more of a, a, a deeper, longer blue blood, um, from where those programs are right now, I would say Kentucky will probably in the next couple of years be right back in that, in that position. I think this is the year that Cal really evaluates where he is, what he's doing, how he's doing it. I think it'll make that program really driven and hungry. So I'm going to go with Kentucky uh, ahead of UCLA, Duke, North Carolina, Indiana. Gotcha. I love that. Sprinkle the juju on us. Okay, here we go. 5-12 upset, Oregon State over Tennessee. I have that. Smart, not smart. Oh, man, I really like both those teams. I did I did Oregon late in the year, Michael. Uh, Chris Duarte is a pro. Like, he's a big-time mm -hmm. pro on the wing. They're an undersized team, uh, so it's a good matchup for Oregon because – Tennessee right now, we don't know the, the condition of uh, Fulkerson because the elbow that he took in the SEC tournament. Yeah. 
you have to be able to score against Tennessee, which is not easy because their defense is so good. Right. Uh, so I, I, boy, that's a tough call because that's going to be a body blow game. But I, I don't, I'm not going to say you're wrong because Oregon's more than capable of pulling it off. The, the Omarui kid is really good. Uh, Will Richardson, the point guard's an older kid. That's, I like Dana Altman's team a lot. And I love Rick Barnes and his team. So let, let's talk afterwards and see how that game goes if it happens. So. <laughs> okay, last one. Who's the next coach of Indiana? Mm, I don't know. That's, that's a, it's, a, it's a really, really good job that's you now come in at the right time because they haven't had success. That's a hungry fan base. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if they'll make a run at Chris Beard at Texas Tech. Uh, he kind of fits how they've been in the past, just tough man-to-man, some motion offense tendencies of, at Bob Knight. I don't know if he's interested in leaving Lubbock. There's probably a pretty good buyout. But I would think at some point Indiana would reach out to him. Good name. Well, Jimmy, again, uh, and I mentioned this in the intro, your book, The Film Doesn't Lie, it's just fantastic. I recommend it to everybody. Um, Thank you so much uh, for all that you have done, not only for us in this podcast, but also for for all of us through that book and for just being an upstanding, great follower of Jesus that we can cheer for on the sidelines. Um, uh, Even if you're, you're speaking truth that is negative about our own favorite basketball teams, uh, appreciate your honesty and how well you do your job and, and giving us a little bit of time here on the podcast. Hey, when I'm, when I'm calling a game, the film doesn't lie. The it is what it is. Lie. If you can't rebound, I'm going to say you can't rebound. If you can't make a three, I'm going to say you can't make a three. Uh, so I, I appreciate you bringing up my book. Coach Jimmy is the best place to get it because they get them to me about twice a week. I personally sign them and get them out. So I know that book continues to really speak to the hearts of a lot of people across the country, and I appreciate you bringing it up. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks, buddy. All the best. All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Coach. Well, what a great episode. We want to thank Rusty George and Coach Jimmy Dykes for joining us, and I want to thank you for listening today. If this was helpful for you, would you do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I'd love it if you'd provide a positive rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show so that this show can reach more people. And you guys know what I say. This is what it's all about. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.